Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. Today's episode will go alongside the blog post for March 17th. As always, in that post I will link to all the books, the quotes, and anything else that I mention. You can find that entry on tbqsbookpalace.com. While you're at it, feel free to find me on social media as well. For Twitter, that is the underscore book underscore queen. I'm listed under the same name for my Goodreads. Instagram is Danielle underscore TBQ. And if Tumblr is your thing, you've got two options. My safe for work Tumblr is the dash book dash queen dot Tumblr dot com. While my completely not safe for work, no, seriously, I warned you, this is just porn here. Tumblr is TBQ after dark dot Tumblr dot com. Pick your social media poison and come join the fun. Doing the podcast, as well as just running the blog itself, takes a lot of work. If you appreciate this content and you wish to see more of it, please consider donating to the blog, which can be done by visiting www.ko-fi.com slash DanielleTBQ. I know I've been complaining of the crazy winter weather here for, like, this entire winter, but dear God, it is still crazy. I mean, just in the course of this past week, we have went from almost 70 degrees down to 30 degrees. We've went from sunshine to a day of nothing but rain to a day of snow. And then even just today, just in one day, we've went from a whiteout blizzard this morning to like melted slush all over the road today. It's, it's crazy. Mother Nature is fucking insane right now. I can't really say that I blame her because the rest of the world is fucking insane right now. So, you know, she just has to keep up with us, right? I still, I wish she would like take a break. Just like take a break. Choose one thing or the other. Winter or spring or summer. But like not all of them at once, which is basically Utah weather in a nutshell. Anyway, I'm actually doing all of this now on a microphone and... I don't know. I'm still messing with it, you guys. I don't really know that it's actually improving anything. But then that could just be because I don't know what the hell I'm doing still with editing. So that's entirely possible. But uh, you tell me. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it about the same? Did you not even notice? Maybe you don't even care. That's entirely okay, too. So random rambles aside, why don't we kind of segue into the actual romance chats that you guys actually come here for? So should we start all of this off with a little what's happening in Romance Landia chat? Because, oh my fucking God, it has been a shitty week or really a shitty couple of weeks in Romance Landia. First off, Santino Hassel. Now, I didn't do the podcast last week, so I didn't get to cover any of this. Honestly, I still don't think I would have because it's just one crazy fucking hot mess. I will, however leave a link again to the main um, explanation, I suppose, a breakdown of what all happened and what was done and who is what. It's a, Like I said, it's a complicated mess. I still don't think we have all of the answers. Doesn't matter. The stuff is out there and the issue is well known. Um, I will leave a link to that if you missed out on it and you would like to know what the hell is going on with Santino Hassel because... That was a thing that happened last week into this week. Shortly after all of that, though, one of the biggest queer publishers was called out 
uh, specifically their editorial director, Sarah Lyons, for racist remarks and actions, harassment, and crossing the professional line. And by crossing it, I mean blowing the fucking professional boundary into a million pieces and just walking away, that type of crossing the line. Sorry, I don't think I said it at the beginning of this. This is Riptide Publishings that I'm talking about, and the editorial director there was Sarah Lyons. So one of her victims, uh, Zen Sanders, who writes under the name Cole McCade. No, yes, McCade. Uh, I could be getting this wrong. I should have wrote down my notes. Um, he shared his story. <sighs> it's a horrible story, you guys. I just... Just when you think it couldn't get worse, oh no, it gets worse. Uh, shortly after, to no surprise at all, Sarah Lyons resigned and then Riptide put out a statement that was absolutely horrible and starts with, quote, romance is an intimate business, but, um, whoa, hold the fuck up right there, stop it. That's the equivalent of saying that by writing romance or working in the romance industry, a victim asked for it. And fuck that. Fuck right off with that. Um, there is no other way to take that type of a statement. And besides that, and I'm not the one to go into this. So many others went into it so much better. But um, being in the romance industry, writing romance, it's a fucking business. It's not a, it's not pleasure. Like people cannot seem to understand that sex and romance are not the same thing. Both of them are fine. Sex work or, you know, talking about sex or working with sex is fucking awesome. You hear me talking about sex all the time. You know my stance on all of that. Working in and reading and all that with romance genre is also awesome. But the two are not the same thing. So you have so many that think, oh, well, you're a romance writer. So you must be having all this sex with all your partners, right? <laughs> nudge, nudge, hint, hint. You all know that sort of shit that goes on, right? Well, we've kind of got the same thing going here where Riptide's um, statement was kind of like, well, we know that romance is this intimate thing, but we admit she crossed the line a little bit too much. No, fuck that. She crossed the fucking line and then some, and that has nothing to do with the fact that this is a romance publisher and a romance industry. That has nothing to do with what she pulled. And them trying to connect the two is fucking messed up. So if you can't tell, just by that opening statement, the rest of their apology statement was a million kinds of wrong, and many explained why much better than I ever could, so I won't try to attempt it. Um, but one of those that was talking about it was Courtney Milan. Uh, Courtney went on to even take the time to share a very brief, mind you, very brief, look at the history of racism and problematic shit that's came out of Riptide starting on the very first day that they opened shop, I think it was seven years ago, and how nothing has changed over the years other than, oh, we're sorry, and then they do something again, similar. So we've got all of that, which I will have linked in the blog post, of course. And as many people pointed out, what Sarah Lyons did and said, not just to Zen, but to an unknown number of other victims over the years, that's all wrong, and she needed to step down. There is no question there. But her leaving the company is not going to stop their long history of racism and problems and everything else because that was institutionalized shit that is down to the very bottom of that entire company. And honestly, to a lot of the 
um, genre and community as a whole, but we won't get into that large bucket of worms. Riptide needs to clear house, they need to start over, they need to rebrand from the ground up if they hope to ever truly change rather than repeating their lackluster apologies every few years for some new issue and promising to change without ever actually trying to do so. And that's been going on and on and on. It is nothing new. This is just yet another mark in, you know, mark in their book. And if they actually want to grow and change and honestly continue to be a publisher that people respect and work for and buy from, they need to do something from the ground up and start now. So in the middle of all that going on, the industry took yet another hit as Crimson Romance tweeted about their upcoming closure. Now, Crimson Romance, which is an imprint of Simon & Schuster, was the one publisher from the Ripped Bodices diversity report this year that had shown a huge jump in their publication of women of color, and now they're done for. That's, that's just so fucked up. So fucked up. I can only hope that the authors and the editors and everyone else that was working there with Crimson Romance go on to find another path that works for their career plans, and I wish them all the best of luck. I am so sorry they're having to go through this. But publishing as a whole needs to calm its shit. It needs to put its money where its mouth is as far as changing and growing and accepting more own voices and diverse titles and authors and all of that because... Um, we have this conversation a lot, and honestly, nothing appears to be changing. Um, we might get a little bump here and there of this thing or that thing, but as a whole, nothing is changing. And we had Kamani that closed, or I mean, it's in the process of closing. They're not accepting any new titles, of course. Um, and now we've got another publishing line that had a great deal of diversity and uh, women of color writing for it, and now it's going bye-bye as well. So that is not looking too good on our industry as a whole. I don't, I don't know where we're going from here. I don't know what's going on, but oh dear God, the industry needs to just stop. Just stop. By the way, guys, all of that, all three things that I just went over, all of that happened by Monday. Monday. The week had only just started and already Romance Landia was a giant dumpster fire. I mean, at least it matched the rest of the world. So there's that. As to my reading week, I managed to finish two books. Yeah, two. One, two. That's it. Listen, it's, it's just, it's been a week. I've been busy, which means no time for reading. Hell, no time for doing anything. So consider yourself lucky that this podcast is even going up. But besides that, when I did have a little bit of time where I could be reading, I just couldn't concentrate. I just couldn't concentrate on anything. And it might have been partly the book, which we'll get into, but I think it's just also my headspace right now. Just concentration is for shit. Uh, but hey, at least that means this should be a kind of quick podcast. Okay, let's be real here. Probably not going to be any quicker than usual because I can ramble just as long with two books as I could with like 10 books. Whatever. So without further ado, let's get into the book discussions. 
First up, I finished my audiobook, Duke of Pleasure by Elizabeth Hoyt, narrated by Ashford McNabb. I'm giving this one three and a half stars, and I will explain why later on, but just know that overall, this was a really, really good book on par with all of her others, in my opinion. Good writing, good story, good romance, all of that, but there was some issues that I had that I just, I cannot ignore them. I have to point them out and call them out, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. Our heroine for this one is Alf. Alf has been dressing and acting as a boy pretty much her entire life. She is a street urchin that grew up in one of the worst parts of London, in St. Giles, and that was her one way to, you know, keep herself safe, quite literally. Um, she is also, if you've been following the series, you would know that she is one of the current ghosts of St. Giles. So by day, she is Alf, the street urchin boy that everyone knows to go to if they want information or if they have secrets to trade and all that sort of stuff. And by night, she dresses as the vigilante, the ghost of St. Giles, and goes out to try and basically capture some of the shitty people that are doing shitty things to people, you know, rapists and murderers and thieves and all that. She tries to help take care of that problem for her, I was going to say her city, I mean, I guess it is, but, you know, for her neighborhood or whatever you wish to call uh, St. Giles. Our hero, Hugh, is a duke. He is actually the bastard son of the king um, with a, like an, I think it was an opera singer for his mother. And then the king did actually claim him as one of his own sons. So he created this dukedom title for him. And, you know, now he's the Duke of Kyle, I believe it was, which by the way, that was kind of very odd to be hearing in a historical because I would not normally hear Kyle, even if it's not a first name in a historical setting. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. That was very weird to keep hearing that pop up during this book, but whatever. Um, Hugh has been working uh, kind of with the government. He's supposed to find and get take care of this secret society, which if you've read the series, again, you would know uh, more about them, but it's the Lords of Chaos, and they are the most horrible, <laughs> shitty group of men uh, ever. They literally have house parties where they rape women, children, doesn't matter, boys, girls, little boys, little girls, doesn't matter, um, you know, and they'll be drinking and doing all sorts of other stuff, and they think this is just their right, this is their secret society right, woohoo, they need to all die, just, you know, my personal opinion there, they need to all die. Anyway, Hugh is tasked with finding this secret society and the members in it and taking it down. He ends up hiring Alf to help him with this because he knows that Alf is going to have uh, access to a lot of information that he himself may not be able to get. It's not until later on that he finds out that not only is Alf not a boy, but Alf is also the same one who is currently the ghost of St. Giles, who he's already met and figured out that that was a woman dressed up, and now he knows that those three identities are all the same person. Which is actually where some of my problems with the book came in, is with her identity. Now, I love a good heroine in disguise type of romance. I, I enjoy those. But I think we have to understand that 
that very trope is or can be and often is um, problematic because a lot of the way that the identity, hidden identity and, you know, cross-dressing and all that is handled can be very transphobic. And that's kind of what I got here too. Um, I got little bits here and there, lines and that that I will pull up that were just uh, not good lines. They definitely came across as transphobic. So I'm not the one like that's not my lane and I don't have the knowledge and the explanation to go over you know why why the heroin in disguise can be a problematic thing and why um or how rather I should say how it can be handled better all I know is that it can be handled better and I don't think that Hoyt did the worst at it I think I've definitely read some that were much much worse and definitely more blatantly transphobic but there was still whether it was intentional or not there were still some transphobic remarks and ideas and whatever that was going in here to frame her character and that's where I, I couldn't let that pass even though I really enjoyed this entire book otherwise I couldn't turn away from from this I could not just you know let it pass and ignore it and just give this book a four stars which is honestly what it would have got if this had not been an issue but it is an issue and I will try to kind of explain to you what I mean I've got a couple lines that I highlighted that kind of show what I'm talking about for example it compares her pussy I mean it doesn't use that particular word but that's what it's talking about it compares her pussy as quote that part that made her a woman not a boy and again I'm not the one to tell you what the better way would be to write this but I just know that there's a better way to write this because this is a problem that's that's not no gender and genitalia and all of that is that's not the way that works but I think the part that really bothered me more than that line even was later on when Hugh says you're not what Alf her pointed chin jerked up and she glared at him. I'm not female. Not anymore. It's been too long. I've been a boy for too long. My cock would beg to differ. What? He grabs her wrist and he drags it and puts it over his crotch and, you know, kind of uh, thrust up into it. And he says, you feel me? I'm hard for you. And I assure you, I'm not at all interested in boys or men, only women. Only you, a treacherous part of his mind whispered, but he ignored it. And I had a problem with that because I did feel like, first of all, I felt like throughout this whole thing, it's like her character was trying to be written like she was didn't actually feel like a girl, but felt like a boy because she'd been that way too long. And yet at the same time, nothing about her came across as non-binary or gender fluid or trans or anything like that. So then I just felt like, it was being kind of put there, but that wasn't her character, which is even more insulting. And then we've got that where it's saying, uh, you know, his cock would beg to differ about what her gender is or what she feels her gender is, which, no, that's not how that works. I don't care if you're fucking, if you've got a fucking heart on for someone, dude, your dick getting hard is not an indication of what their gender is or is not because your sexuality has nothing to do with their gender. And yes, maybe I'm trying to overcomplicate something that was just kind of a simple throwaway thing in here and none of it was meant that way. 
but that's how it came across to me, or at the very least, it stood out to me and not always in a good way. So, like I said, I loved this book. I truly did. But it had that issue going for it, and I could not ignore it. And I know I am not doing a great job of explaining it, but there it is anyway. Now, if you follow me on Twitter while I was listening to this, I did a thread on, basically it turned into a thread on all of the sex scenes in this book and how I died from them all. Um, I regret nothing in that thread. <laughs> but this book was fucking fantastic when it comes to the sex. Now, I will say this. Uh, does Hoyt write the most explicit sex out there in the genre? No. But it is pretty damn explicit and it is ridiculously hot and just amazing. I just, I love it. I don't care that I could pull out a few other books that are like 10 times filthier if you want to go for explicitness or length of the sex scene or whatever. This is still hot and I I always forget this. I don't ask me how. Every time I pick up the next book in the series from her, I somehow forget that how filthy dirty her books are. And then I'm like, oh, oh dear, this is, this is a lovely surprise. Uh, I'm, I'm literally not complaining about it. I just don't know how I keep forgetting it every single time. But we have one scene where the hero does a masturbation scene while he's thinking of her and he's laying on his bed in the morning and he's spreading his legs wide and he's getting the balls in on the action and it is fucking hot as hell and I was there for it. And even though we don't get the heroine masturbating on page, which is probably my only other complaint about this book because you know I want more of that in Romance Landia as a whole. Uh, even though she doesn't do it on page, she is familiar with masturbation and she's given herself orgasms before. And I am fucking here for that, especially in historicals, right? I feel like we, we get that a little bit more in contemporary, but then in historical, like all of the heroines don't even know what the hell their pussy does or what the hell their vagina is. And it's like, seriously, seriously. Okay, sure. Um, but anyway, <laughs> then we get this blowjob scene that just came out of nowhere and surprised me in all the best ways and I'm pretty sure that I stopped what I was doing. I think I was listening to the book while I was cleaning that day. I'm pretty sure I stopped like hands all sudsy and you know dripping and sponge in the air and all that and just stared at the wall flustered as this scene played out instead of doing the cleaning I was doing. Um, that's how taken I was by this scene. So the two of them are running from the bad guys and they go down a dark alley to try and get rid of them, but there's really no place for them to hide and the guys are going to find them in a minute. So her way of hiding them or distracting is to drop down and open his pants and start giving him a blowjob. Her first blowjob, by the way, but start to give him a blowjob. And of course, by between the darkness and the way that she's kneeling down and then the way that his cloak is coming around her or whatever, um... The guys really can't get a good look at any of them. And when they're like, hey, have you guys, uh, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you think we're doing down here? Oh, that feels so good. And, you know, they're asking, well, did you see a couple run past? He's like, the fuck, dude? I, you could have the king run past right now and I wouldn't notice. Oh, that's it, love. Yes, use your tongue. Use your tongue. Like, and it's truly partly putting on, uh, you know, an exaggeration for them, for the distraction, they're trying to play a part, but it's also not playing a part because she's actually giving him a full-on blowjob and he actually is, you know, telling her what to do because it feels fucking amazing and how dare this be interrupted by these guys, right? 
So you've got this tension and you've got the thrill of being out in the open and they're still trying to run from these bad guys that are standing right there and don't know it's them yet. And, you know, the thrill of kind of being watched, like all of this is combining and it was fucking dirty as hell and I loved every minute of it. And it's not a terribly long scene, but I think I went back and re-listened to it like five times in a row. And then when my ebook copy came in from the library around the same time, and I just totally flipped to that chapter and reread it another couple times. And I have no fucking shame in admitting that because it was so well done. I loved that. I mean, we could talk about how, you know, hey, she's a virgin and she's never done a blowjob, but here she's giving this amazing blowjob, which is a thing in Romance Landia always, right? Never done a blowjob, but the person can do a amazing, like, professional blowjob, no gagging, no anything, like, uh, okay, sure. Uh, but that aside, I loved the realistic bit in here where when he finally comes in her mouth, she's not swallowing that. She's like, mm, yeah, no. I'm just going to let this make a mess and dribble back out. And he hands her his handkerchief for her to spit his seed out into. That is the word in the book, by the way. I would not go around calling it seed. That's cum or jizz or a million other things. Anyway, she spits his cum out into the handkerchief. And I just, I don't know. I appreciated that because I feel like too much in Romance Landia, every single character is like, oh yeah, I want to swallow all of this. And I'm like, Really? Like, like if, if you do, that is fine and dandy. I'm not judging you for what you love to do in bed. But I'm just always like, can't we get a couple more of them that's like, you know what? I really don't like to swallow. Not my thing. Which is totally fine too. But anyway, I just, I loved that scene. God, I fucking loved that scene. I mean, I would tell you to buy this book or, you know, get it from your library. That's also great. Uh, just for the sex scenes in here because, oh dear God, those were amazing. And there's a couple other sex scenes, you know, eventually they do have full-on intercourse. And, oh, the thing about that scene that, like, I was not expecting it to be so hot. This one particular line I'm talking about, I was not expecting it to be so hot, but it was. And I, 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 I don't know, I don't know what to feel about it other than, um, yes, please, yes. So she's telling him, you know, stop teasing me, finally put it in me, which I'm here for a heroine that's going to flat out say, uh, please put your dick inside me and fuck me. Um, and, you know, he does, and then he's kind of given her time to adjust because virgin. Um, and also it's just, you know, typical romance hero of, oh no, I've got to gain control before I just bust in five seconds, so let me just hold still for a minute. And she's just like, oh no, you need to start moving because I need, I need more of this good feeling going on. And so she like, leans up or like pulls his head down I don't know how he's he's on top of her he like she like pulls his head down and like whispers into his ear are you gonna fuck me now governor or gov I think she just says gov and oh I you guys I don't know why I found that line so fucking hot but I found it so fucking hot and I was out walking the dog at that point I, do you sense a theme I'm always like listening to these hot sex scenes when I'm either supposed to be doing something else or like I'm out in public and then I'm like this beet red thing that's walking around and people probably wondering what the hell is wrong with me. No, nothing. I'm just listening to something entirely filthy and I love it. Please just walk away and let me have my feelings here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but that scene, that scene was good. All of the sex scenes in here were good. Again, are they the longest ones in any book out there? No. Are they the most explicit scenes out there? No. But they are fucking explicit, filthy, smut, and I loved every bit of them. And yes, please, I'd like some more. Um, 
but yeah, that, that, I mean, I don't know what more I can tell you. I told you what my issues were. I tried to, I totally admit that I'm bumbling everything today, uh, where I just felt like there was some transphobic undertones and remarks in that about her, um, you know, being disguised as a guy type of thing that was just a problem. And it's a problem with this trope in general. I admit it's not just something that Hoyt did. And again, I don't think she did the worst at it, but it also, it was still there. It was still an issue I had. Other than that, everything else about this book was just perfect. It was just a solid, good read. If you love Elizabeth Hoyt, if you love this series, I mean, that's, you're going to get all that same stuff here, right? You're going to get the good writing. You're going to get the good story. You're going to get plot. You're going to get some suspense and action and adventure going on. Like this is not just, you know, dancing around in a ballroom type of thing. Nothing wrong with that sort of historical romance, by the way, but this series is totally not that. Um, you get a really good romance, you get good writing, you get great dirty sex that I am totally here for. Uh, and yeah, I just, I just really, really, really enjoyed Duke of Pleasure by Elizabeth Hoyt. It's as simple as that. It was filthy and it made me happy and that's it. That's all you need to know. Just go read it. Go read it. I know many say that you can totally read this series out of order and jump in and out. I, I mean, you can. I honestly still think that you'd be better off starting from the beginning because there is some things that kind of build over the course of the story and then just all the characters are awesome and all the romances are awesome and I just want to tell you to read all of them. Just read them all. Just glom it from start to finish. Check your library. I can never say that enough. Check your library so that if you can save some money and help your library out and, you know, enjoy the authors you want to enjoy and it doesn't cost you a thing. So, yeah, just just pick up this series. Pick it up. That's all you need to know. She will be starting. This series is over now. Like, I'm trying to catch up because I was behind. But this series has ended. Her next series starts, I believe, in December. Um, today, while I was on Twitter, they I think they're doing the cover shoot for the first book. And they were, like, sharing little snippets from it. And it looks like it's going to be awesome. And I am so ready for it. I don't even know what the hell it's about. I'm pretty sure the blurb is out there. Maybe I'll link to... The Goodreads. I know it's not on Amazon yet, but I'll probably link to the Goodreads page for her, the first book in her new series, because um, I haven't even read the blurb yet myself. All I know is that she's got a new book out and I need it. Totally off the subject of this book, but I am that person. I, I really hardly ever read a blurb. I am horrible. I know. And sometimes that backfires on me. In fact, a lot of times that backfires on me, but I just usually kind of zone out during blurbs very, very few times do they actually catch my attention. In fact, the only time I pay attention to a blurb is when I am needing to do the summaries for the book deals that I do. I mean, I have to read the blurbs. That's how I tell you guys what the hell the book is about because I haven't read most of these. My point is I never read blurbs. I just kind of go, oh, hey, that cover looks awesome or I've heard great things about this or that is an author that I love. Yes, please, I will take it. I really never read blurbs. I want to know, are you that person? Do you have to read the blurb or do you just kind of blindly dive in? Because I want to know that I'm not the only one doing so. Uh, even if we might get hurt sometimes from doing that blind dive, I still keep doing it. I cannot stop. Anyway, this long ass ramble is just, we're going to call it done. So Duke of Pleasure by Elizabeth Hoyt, three and a half stars, could have been four stars if not for the transphobic undertone that was going on. Just a really good book, awesome smutty times, I'm a happy reader. 
So the other book that I finished was actually the one that I was reading during last week's, well, I didn't do the podcast, but last week's um, blog post anyway, which is Soul Bonded by Drea Anderson. This one just came out the other day, so it is available now. I'm giving this one three stars. Honestly, it might even be between two and a half and three. There was nothing wrong with this book. First of all, just seriously, there was nothing wrong with it, but I was a bit underwhelmed by it all, and I was just left with the uninspiring, meh, it was a book that I read, I guess, reaction by the time I reached the end, and because of that, I just don't have a lot to say about it, but here's the basics of it all. So this is book two in this paranormal series, though I did not read book one. Um, the author, when she contacted me about this review, she did tell me it was fine as a standalone. I do think I would have been better off starting at the beginning of this series, so just keep that in mind. And honestly, I mean, she did offer me book one. Okay, off topic for a second. She offered me book one, and I am that person that hates to come across as greedy, so I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. I'll just, you know, take this new book that you are asking me to review because I feel like, I, I feel like I'd be greedy if I'd be like, yes, give me, you know, the books before this as well as the one you want me to review. Anyway, that is totally just my own personal hang-up, but I could have had the opportunity to read book one. I mean, she did offer it to me. I was being polite and said, no, I'll just start with two because she told me two would be fine as a standalone I mean, technically, yeah, it can be, but I was definitely left a lot of the times thinking that I would have been better off knowing more about the world, which I assume was probably introduced a bit more in detail in book one. I mean, that's purely assumption. Um, maybe maybe it wasn't, and so maybe that's why she says this one's fine as a standalone. Maybe it's really not any more detailed in the first book. I don't know. Anyway, this is book two in the series. So if you are one that has to read in order, then you'll want to go back to book one first. So this world has magic in it, and it has demigods. The hero himself is a demigod. Um, just has all sorts of things going on. I was kind of a bit confused because he's a demigod, but a lot of what his powers were kind of came across like some sort of sexual energy vampire, for lack of a better word. Like, he had to, he and the rest of his his people, his race, uh, had to feed by being around, literally being around others who are, you know, even if they're not having orgasms, they're at least turned on and, and the sexual energy is coming off of them or whatever. That's like how they feed for energy. If they go without that for too long, then they go downhill. Like they still eat and do all that stuff, but I don't know. It was just, it was just kind of a different take, I suppose, on what I would normally think of as a demigod, which usually would have nothing to do with a sexual energy vampire vibe, but that's okay. I was I was here for this. I'm always here for trying something new. What I really loved about this world was the fact that this series, which is written by a woman of color, has almost all of the characters, or at least all of the main characters that were introduced to it, are characters of color. And I'm here for that because, yes, please, we need more of this in the genre. I was totally happy with that, and it was one of the reasons why I accepted this book for review because I'm the one that's always, you know, talking about how we need to read um, more diversely and how we need to be supporting women of color and other marginalized authors within the genre, and I need to practice what I preach. So 
that totally was the way to hook me and that combined with the blurb and that, I decided to give it a shot. And I'm not upset that I read it. I mean, I know I'm talking about how I'm underwhelmed by this book, but I'm not upset that I read it. Um, I think that the author had a note at the end of the book that talked about how she got inspiration for this world from a lot of stories and myths from traditional African cultures, which, again, I love that, and we totally need more of that going on in the genre because, you know, mythology is not just limited to the white world. Just saying. This book does have the faded mates trope, which I know some people love and some people hate. Um, actually, when it starts out, when the book starts out, the heroine had kind of a sudden onset amnesia going on, which, again, I think started in the end of the first book, which I didn't read, so things were a little bit blurry uh, for me. So uh, we later find out that that amnesia was caused from a spell from, you know, the bad guys or whatever that put it on her to keep her from finding an artifact that she's supposed to be in charge of. So she doesn't recognize the man who will be her mate, even though they have been in contact with each other for a while now, and she is aware that they're supposed to be mates. But now she wakes up and she doesn't know who the hell he is. So he has to give her space to come to terms again with this magical world that she's been thrust into, as well as being able to get to know him and decide if she actually wants to accept his mating. So it's Faded Mates, but because of her memory loss at the beginning, we do still get some of that let's get to know each other first slow burn which was nice, and that could make this work for those who are not typically a fan of the Faded Mates thing. So talking about that slow burn, though. Okay, so I felt like the lead up to each of the sex scenes was much, much hotter than the actual sex scene itself. So the scenes were just really, really quick, like two pages, like maximum. That was probably the longest scene in the book was maybe two pages. Most of them were a lot less than that, like a couple paragraphs, if that. And while they weren't badly written by any means, so I'm here for a sex scene that's not badly written, even if it's not as hot as I would like it. They weren't badly written. They just left me wanting so much more from it. I just felt like we were being kind of teased and I didn't quite get that payoff in the end. I felt like the pacing for the book itself was just a bit off because the last, I don't know, maybe 15, 20% of the book seemed to be a rush, and yet at the same time, it didn't actually do much. So it was basically their mating ceremony and how all that uh, makes a couple go a bit mating crazy, if you will, and want to fuck all the time, which, hold on, that would have been great. I mean, you guys know me by now, right? That would have been the fucking perfect thing for me in a book. But that would only work if, you know, the sex had been a bit more, well, more. So again, not bad. It was just underwhelming. It was disappointing to get to this point where they're talking about how they can't keep their hands off each other. And at one point, um, they're like trying to figure out how they can leave a, like a lunch or dinner or something, some sort of meeting with others, how they can leave that to go fuck each other and how they're going to have to do more than one round because one round is not enough. All of that is totally my catnip and I would have been here for it. If the sex had just been more, if the sex had been hotter, um, again, it wasn't badly written sex. 
it was just not as hot as I wanted it and it was just way too quick and I just I was just disappointed because there was so much potential there and when we got to that part I was hoping for her to turn up the heat to like a million and I was ready for it and instead it's like it was just kind of on the low burner and I just I wasn't ready for that <laughs> again I've told you guys before there's nothing wrong with books that are less explicit than others. I mean, we all like what we like, and I'm not against reading the slow burn or the low heat levels. I just prefer the high heat, and so when I'm reading other ones, yeah, my bias kind of comes into it, but take it all with a grain of salt. It's just me. All in all, Soul Bonded by Drea Anderson was just an okay read. But it didn't wow me, and it did take me nearly a solid week to read it. Though, in all fairness, part of that was my own lack of concentration ability this week, so I can't entirely blame how long it took me on the book. But I will say the book didn't help that lack of concentration. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're looking for a new paranormal to pick up, and especially a very diverse world from a woman of color, this may be just the thing for you, and I, like I said, there's nothing bad about it. I just wasn't wowed. I just wasn't wowed by it. All that being said, I will still try Anderson again, but for now, this one was just a bit underwhelming for me. So I'm currently in the middle of Navy Seal Rescue by Susan Cliff, which is a Harlequin category romantic suspense that comes out on April 1st. I was just in the mood for something that's a little bit shorter, you know, as far as length, and it's been a while since I read a romantic suspense anyway, so, you know, this kind of fits the bill all around. It's also my first time with this author, although I do have her previous book, also on my TBR, which was also a review copy now that I think about it, I am horrible. We went over this. I am horrible. I'm not quite sure how the hell I've managed to make it as a reviewer over these, oh my god, it's almost going on 10 years. Damn, June will be 10 years for the blog. Anyway, I'm always surprised that someone hasn't like kicked me out of the reviewer club because I am fucking horrible at it. <sighs> anyway. So I will let you guys know how that one is by next week. After that, though, I think I'm going to pick up Undead. No, not Undead. Um, let's try that again. After that, I think I'm going to pick up Undone by the Ex-Con by Talia Hibbert. Now, this one came out a few months ago, although she did have a new release that just came out Wednesday. And Jen will actually be reviewing that one on the blog next week, so check back for that. Anyway, I've been hoarding the few Hibbert's books that I haven't read yet, um, because when I really need a fun and sexy read, that's kind of, she's my new go-to, right? I've read two of her books, and I've talked about them both before. Jen has read and reviewed them, I think all of them at this point, or at least talked about all of them, and really loved them. We're both huge fans of her books, and I highly recommend you pick her up. But she's one of those new authors that I just know that I can pick up her book, and I have a good time with it. And now, yes, the two that I have read from her were not flawless books by any means, but I just had such a great time with them, and they're so sex positive and body positive and diverse, and just, they're great. So anyway, I've been stockpiling the, I think now, three of her titles that I have not yet read. No, maybe four. There is a novella. 
uh, I'm trying to overexplain this to you guys. I have stockpiled them uh, rather than reading them as they came out because I wanted to have a emergency stash for when I really needed something that would hit the spot, basically. And I knew that it would get me out of a reading funk, that kind of a stash. We all have those, right? Her books are one of them. So I'm going to pull this one out of the pile and I am sure it will hit the spot perfectly. I would be so disappointed if it didn't. Oh dear God, I've cursed myself now, haven't I? Okay, no, it's going to hit the spot. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's going to hit the spot. It's going to take me out of my reading funk and put my concentration back on track where it should be and let me escape from this fucked up world for just a little bit. Talia Hibbert, you will do all of this for me. I mean, that's putting a lot of pressure on you, but I, I, I'm confident that you can handle it. I'm confident. As to my audiobook, I'm in the middle of Once Burned by Jenny Ann Frost. Now, while I am liking this one overall, there's one part that set me off into a Twitter rant. I'll link to it, though I'll also go over my issues with it, um, with those scenes in particular when I talk about the book next week. So it's up to you whether you want to wait for that or if you want to go and get a sneak peek at my Twitter rant. Now, the fun part about that Twitter rant is it also veered off into a very fun, crazy fun um, conversation with some other readers about ice dildos and it, it, it was a whole thing. You just, just go read that. Even if you don't want to read my original problem with the book, I will leave a link to the part of the thread where we went off into ice dildos. That was just crazy fun. That's all there is to it. So kind of off topic, but it's related because I'm talking about my audiobook, but I'm not sure what my next audiobook will be because I'm currently locked out of my Overdrive account. <sighs> yeah, that is literally as horrible as it sounds. If you've been following me on Twitter, you knew that I just about had a meltdown when this happened, and honestly, I am still just about to have a meltdown from it. So basically, my state library system forced all of the libraries to change their login, like, authentication process for overdrive but by doing so it got rid of our old accounts and replaced it with a new blank account so all of my holds that I had on that some of them that have been there for months and months and I was finally almost to the top of the list yeah those holds are gone um, all of my wish list, which I had been carefully growing and organizing for like the last year where I'd put books that I still need to read in a series in there or what book that I wanted to place a hold on next, you know, because you'd only put so many holds at a time. So I'd always have my wish list set up so that the one, the book that was at the top of the wish list was the one that I needed to put a hold on next. Anyway, um, I had an organization system and I had like over 500 titles on that wish list. Yeah, all of that is gone. And I'm left with this blank account with nothing in it. I mean, I can go on and, and request a book, of course, but all the books that I had organized of what I was going to get and the ones that I had a hold coming in on are gone. So it's, it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare, just like it sounds. I hope it never happens to you. So far, I've yet to be able to talk to anyone that actually knows how to get my old account merged with my new one. I mean, I've had the runaround, like Overdrive tells me to get in contact with my state library system and I get in contact with them and I say, no, you need to talk to your city library. And I talk to them and they're like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Go talk to the state system again. And I'm getting the runaround and nobody knows what the hell is going on. And so I am locked out of my old account. And it was really frustrating because one of my audiobook holds, I got the email for it saying that it came in, but I can't get into that account to get the book, the audiobook, and 
it's horrible. You guys shed a tear for my pain and my struggle. I know when I was talking about this on Twitter, so many were like, oh my God, that is like my worst nightmare. And now I have to go and check and make sure that my overdrive is fine, which of course it is for everyone else. It, this is totally a Utah system thing that's going on. Um, and maybe not even like all of Utah, but it affected me. And that's, that's the only thing that matters. It's affecting my overdrive. And that is the big issue <laughs> because it's all about me. Um, it's just a nightmare. And I hope that this gets figured out soon because if I have to start from scratch, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. So that was my reading week. I want to know, what did you read this past week? Come and chat with me. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. Tell me about how your week went just in general. Um, also, come and tell me what you're planning on reading for this weekend or listening to this weekend. It's all the same to me. I hope you enjoyed this week's What You're Reading chat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and fall in love with some fantastic books. Until next time, enjoy TBQ.